Welcome back to the Aging Project Podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Craft, and together, my friends, we're on a mission to age well, bloody well, if I'm being honest. Let's be real, though. We all need guidance when it comes to aging well, and that's why we've gathered the best possible support team for us. No topic is off limits, and I promise to ask all the right questions, your questions. Before we dive in, don't forget to join our growing community of women from around the world. Sign up at theagingproject.com.au and become part of the Aging Project community. You'll gain access to our treasure trove of podcast episodes, our free five-day morning challenge, and did you know we now have an online store called You Must Try It? It includes products we've discovered from our podcast guests and community. Think low-tox skincare, low-tox makeup, supplements, and more. You'll only find products we've tried, tested, and we love at youmusttryit.com. Are you ready to begin today's episode? Alrighty, let's do it. I can objectively a decade on now sit and look at social media and look at the glorification of mummy needs wine or, you know, the wine time culture. I mean, I couldn't even begin to quantify how many Instagram accounts or TikTok accounts are dedicated wholly and solely to validating using wine as a way to parent or as a way to unwind or as a way to cope. Now, that's not to say anyone who gets on social media with a glass of wine has a problem. I'm not saying that. But the constant glorification and normalization of using alcohol to do anything makes it seem okay. The silly season is upon us and for most Aussies that means more than just presents and family and food. It also means wine and champagne and spirits and endless Christmas parties. So today we are speaking to Shanna Wan, the CEO and creator of Sober in the Country, which is a lovely little piss take, if you like, of sex in the city. And of course, Aussie country is so important to all of us for so many reasons. And Shanna is out there championing the cause for sober in the country. She's going to share some stories with us. We're going to hear so many tales that she has to tell from the people that she speaks to in her community. And I do know that this episode is going to strike a chord for many of us. So I would love you to welcome the fabulous Shan. It is wonderful to have you with us here so close to Christmas. Hi, Shelley. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing really well, thank you. Although I must say, I'm starting to feel the pressure and the burn of there being, you know, less than a month until Christmas, which is always a daunting time of year. And as I said in the intro, for, for so many, for so many different reasons. You know, it's great for kids, but Chrissy's not always awesome for adults, is it? Do you know what? I have a confession to make. I shared a little meme on my private Instagram account the other day. Um, and it was a meme with a picture of the Grinch and it said, I'm starting to understand now why the Grinch just wants to be alone, um, home alone with his dog at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I feel you. I was like, am I the Grinch? I, shivers, I think I might be the Grinch. I, I feel the Grinch. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, I think early on retail killed Christmas many, many moons ago, didn't it? Like it starts in October now and unless you're that organised to actually get it done before November, there is always this mad rush to the end and, and you know, you can understand why the shopping centres here in the cities have endless 24-hour trading just to get it done but it's kind of taken the magic away from, from what was 
um, a beautiful time of year. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. The other day I dropped into my sister-in-law's house to, to just leave something for her and I walked in and she's a mum of three to my beautiful, beautiful little nephews and my niece who's a moo. And, um, I walked in and it was like walking into a fairy tale. Like her home is just so beautiful and she had the Christmas tree, the lights, the decor. Like it felt so warm and so beautiful and so perfectly like a family home should feel at this time of year. And it sort of – I had to catch my breath for a minute and I felt like a bit – oh, God, it's so beautiful. And it made me think this this is so precious for children. It is so beyond – precious and in the next nanosecond my brain went and it sucks for people like me who couldn't have kids so it's this it's this juxtaposition at this time of year isn't it where you feel sort of really awesome and warm and fuzzy one minute and then you feel like a bit of a shot duck the next it's it's a bit of a ride Shelley and it's hard as you say to not bring that I've got I've got two beautiful girls one of them just loves Christmas she will start counting down on about the 6th of January for next Christmas and we sing Christmas carols all year round Um, and I feel like I've really got to step up my game just to make it special for those around us that do love Christmas and and it's wonderful that your sister-in-law can embrace it so much and bring that to her kids so maybe we all just need to try a little bit harder on the joy of Christmas rather than the drama that can often come with Christmas. I reckon what I've learned after all of these years walking the earth I do sometimes wish people would think of maybe needs of humans like me at this time of year. I also don't want to, despite aforementioned, you know, sharing of memes, (laughs) I don't actually want to be a grumpy Grinch either. So it's this, it's a balancing act. But I think that at the end of the day, the expectations, the pressure, the pressure cooker that arises at this time of year is, is just so complex. And Christmas Day is almost like collateral damage to two months on either side of this build up of chaos and 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 stuff and you sort of find yourself going dear god in heaven is this going to be over soon (laughs) and I think we all know that right now across Australia as boring and cliched as it sounds you know the cost of living crisis and all of the things going on that are externally impacting everyday families are really hectic so yeah compassion and thoughtfulness is necessary I think at this time. You've developed this incredible community that is obviously online because you do live um, in rural Australia, this sober in the country, this incredible initiative that you started um, through need for communication and conversation around alcohol and, and use in the country and the effect that that has on people's lives. Are your conversations ramping up now? Are people like you in your group sort of talking about, okay, Let's all stick together. How are we going to get through this time? Has that conversation already started for you? It sure has, my dear lady. It, it's it's ramped right up. Um, I about two weeks ago through the charity pages, we started dropping our silly season survival guide um, because yes. Uh, unfortunately, this time of year, whether you live in Bondi or out in the bush, 
this time of year brings a really, really, really difficult set of challenges for people struggling with alcohol abuse, misuse, or indeed addiction. So, yep, you bet we're ramping it up and we're starting to filter out a consistent stream of information to whether it's people within our peer support network or just our wider pages because we we have this crazy reach across Australia not just the bush. And yeah, I think it's just because we speak common sense in, in, in bush girl style. It's just uh, straight up, no fluff, you know, and we just say it how it is. And this time of year is really bloody hard if you're struggling with drinking too often or a little bit too much. And so, yeah, we're seeing it come to the fore very much with increased regularity now. So this, this wonderful initiative earned you um, Australian of the Year, which I commend you on. Just an extraordinary achievement for anyone in any area, but to to bring that awareness to such a great cause too, which is basically comes down to community and feeling supported, doesn't it? So can you tell us what Sober in the Country is really all about, not just at Christmas time? Thanks, Shelley. Yeah, so that was, yeah, 2022 was a crazy year for me. Australian of the Year Local Hero Award is what I won. I clarify that because I don't want to take anything from Dylan Alcott, who won the the big gong. (laughs) Um, But I like that one too, because I'm just a local girl. I'm just a punter out in the bush, or as I like to say, a bit of a bogan from the bush. Proud Aussie, I like to call it. You know, bogan is also a word for it, but proud Aussie, I think. (laughs) (laughs) so proud. I'm sitting here barefoot in my happy place. (laughs) But yeah, so Shelley, like essentially um, Sober in the Country is a national not-for-profit, which I created um, off the back of my own story and my own experience of being a human who was pretty much dying in plain sight of my own rural community, thanks to an invisible 20-year fight I'd had with alcohol addiction. You know, it's a funny thing. I'd sort of always been a party girl and the fun girl and the one who'd get on the get on the bar table and dance to Coyote Ugly songs and, you know, skull out of a boot and all those hideous things country girls do when they're partying hard. <laughs> and it was all fun and games until it wasn't. And all of a sudden, Shanna, the party girl, was Shanna, the suicidal 40-year-old who couldn't have babies and was suicidal. I mean, it's just horrific. That dissent and that story is so complex, but it's also so common. And, you know, what began as having a few beers for social courage and confidence and whatnot ended up being a blackout drinker behind closed doors. And it nearly killed me. And so I used to used to um, kind of referring, sorry, laughingly refer to myself as the after five alcoholic. Um, anyway, coming circling back to your to your intro and point, I made it out alive, and I shouldn't have. I was so close to dead. I was so close to being um, either losing my life by suicide or crashing my vehicle or having a horrific accident, falling down a flight of stairs or whatever the hell, like you could pick any number of things that were going to kill me. I think, I reckon I would have been dead within less than six months had I not quit alcohol. I was very close. Yeah, my family were planning my funeral behind my back. And, oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> and they were, they, you know, the funny thing they were saying is, what are we going to do with Shan's dog, Fleabag? It always makes me feel so sad. They were like, what are we going to do with Shan's bloody dog that she loves? So they were talking about this stuff, Shelley. I was that close. Anyway, I made it out and and 
again, sorry, circling back to the charity rather than me as a human because I try and put some distinction in there. Um, Shanna the human, I just looked around me and I thought, wow, I am not the only country woman I know who has got a desperately unhealthy relationship with alcohol. What happens to the other women? What happens to the other people? Where do they go? What, what, what do they do to get help? And it's, and the very long story short is that once I knew I was going to be okay, um, my husband and I had a chat and we thought, blow this for a joke. We need to do something about this. Fast forward 10 years later, sober in the country, Australian of the year, et cetera, et cetera. So where we are now is an evolution of a survivor and a survival story and a national conversation that really, really needed to happen. We've just launched something new over at theagingproject.com.au and we would love you to join our free five-day morning challenge. One thing I've learned here at the Aging Project podcast is that aging well comes down to you and me and the hundreds of tiny decisions we make every single day. And those decisions start the moment we wake up. So let's reboot our mornings today. Over the five days, we'll delve into the power of gratitude, the joy of journaling, the energising effects of music, the importance of hydration and the art of self-care. Just go to theagingproject.com.au and I'll see you there. I know that it's hard enough here in the cities to, to find support and get help and even though there are readily available, um, it's that ability perhaps for people to recognise that they have a serious problem and then to have the bravery to ask for help or like you did have a wonderful support person be, being your husband there to be able to get you the help that you needed and for you to be able to receive it as well because that's that's often the biggest challenge, isn't it, that people aren't ready to receive. And obviously for a long time you weren't ready for that. But in the country that extra isolation must create that extra barrier that people don't know where to turn or, or until you came along didn't have anywhere to turn. Yeah, and thank you, Shelley. That's a really important point because quite often we'll have people message our page and say, it's not just in the country, you know. And I say, yeah, no, I know. I promise you I know. This is a global, national crisis. This alcohol is killing 3 million people a year globally, in case our listeners didn't know that. Kills 6,000 Aussies every year. We lose an Australian every 90 seconds to alcohol. It's very, very, very serious stats. But the difference between um, sober in the country and elsewhere, right, is that my city counterparts and cousins, like let's say I've got a best mate in Bondi who needs support. They are in a very beautiful position where they can go down to their local face-to-face recovery support meeting, or they might be able to go and select any number of specialists, psychologists, or better still, let's say they've historically spent all their time at the corner pub in Bondi, whatever that is, I don't even know, right? And they decide, you know what, I can't go there anymore because that is really traumatic and, and it's an association with a life I don't want to lead anymore. They can pick one of any other number of social places or outlets or mother's groups or whatever it is. There is so much choice and diversity. Whereas in the bush, <laughs> um, well, 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 <laughs> you are limited to what you've grown up with and it's the same people, it's the same place, it's the same pub, it's the same destination. And so 
the unique sets of challenges and parameters and um, indeed, as you say, not just geographic isolation but social isolation for humans like me, it, it just adds all these extra levels of extraordinarily difficult complication to people seeking help and seeking change. Um, oh, gosh, it's hard. It's really hard. Like, again, I said to you before we came on, I throw myself under the bus as an example, right? And so when I finally was able to step away from alcohol, I said to my husband, I said, Timbo, we need to leave this town now, okay? I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here with these memories and this trauma and we got to go, mate. Like, we got to go. And he just said, sweetheart, you have been running from yourself your whole life and you can't and we can't. And he said, you have to stay. You have to see this out. And he's so annoying and so wise. (laughs) That's so, so right. right, damn him. Damn it. <laughs> because guess what happens, Shelley, when you run from yourself is wherever you go to, there you bloody well are. <laughs> so the problem was in me. And Timbo, bless his beautiful, wise, annoying socks, um, gently nurtured me to sticking it out. And I remember him saying to me, sweetie, you know, if you stick it out, people will see who you are, not what you were. Things will change. And look, things have changed. But back at that time, all I could think was I'm known as the hopeless drunk Shanna. Everyone gossips about me. Everybody talks about me in my rural community. Everyone speculates about me. And I just felt so trapped by that. Um, But running wouldn't have solved it, you know. So again, it's it's bloody tomato tomato, isn't it? But that's that's the challenge of being in a little place that you can't escape. It's really hard. That was a hard bit. <laughs> you know, you say you're throwing yourself under the bus. I think what you're doing is actually standing in front of the bus and putting both hands up and going, "Nah, we're stopping right here." And for the fact that every social situation um, in rural Australia is about catching up at the pub, having some beers, having some fun, whether it's the camel races in Bullia, whether it's the Mount Isa Rodeo, whether it's, as we said, the um, the BNS balls, you know, it, it everything, and in the cities too, everything we do, there's going to be alcohol available. So how do you, when you really want to make social connections now, how do you go about going out? Are you now like the preacher that's like, oh, no, you're having drink. You know, how many drinks have you had today? Or do you walk around with your, your breathalyzer or your notepad? How do you actually um, change people's idea of you and even seeing you out and about? I know they must be so proud and so grateful that you're there because now you are a shoulder for everyone else to lean on as well. Well, it's so funny. I'm pretty sure that when we started this charity, when I started this charity, um, Exactly what you just said. People had an instant preconceived notion that I was going to be some evangelical prohibitionist wowser bashing everyone over the head with a big stick, to which I was just having endless LOL moments going, you guys, I literally was the most notorious drunk rural woman in Australia. Do you think I'm going to set about this conversation from a judgmental point of view? Are you fair income right now? I couldn't believe it. But people actually did sometimes have that assumption. So to answer your question, the way I have gone about, and I'll answer this in two parts, SITC and Shanna, because again, you know, 
So from a broad scale advocacy perspective as Sober in the Country, the charity, we are crystal clear in all our social media, advocacy, education, et cetera, that we are not here to demonize or make fun of or judge our mates who can enjoy a drink or two in moderation. It's not our game plan, never has been, never will be. What we're here to do is to encourage and challenge rural people to ensure that they're making it okay to say no to booze no matter when, how, if, or why. So if Shelly comes out to visit Shan in the bush and we're at the pub and Shelly goes to the bar and says, I'll just grab a soda water, I'm dreaming of the day where everyone goes, no worries, Shelly, I'll grab you that soda water instead of the inevitable refrain that we have in the outback, which is, what's wrong with you, Shelly? I heard you were a fun time girl, you know, blah, blah, insert various bloody phrases here. And so... How we have made this into such a fabulous user-friendly conversation is by making it about being the welfare of our mates. We're flipping it on its head because what I learned the hard way, Shelley, is that Australia is extremely defensive of its God-given right to drink itself into a stupor. And I was the same. So you have to adjust your lens and you have to come at it from a much more user-friendly, almost ochre kind of knockabout place. And you know what? When you do that, no one's offended. And it's funny, when I did um, my Australian of the Year acceptance speech, my opening line was, you can never threaten the God-given right of an Australian enjoying a beer or two. And that's not what I do, dot, dot, dot. So I proceed everything I do with that so that everyone just goes, okay, cool, she's not here to tell us what to do. And then they drop their card. (laughs) Oh, it's exhausting, but that's how I've done it, right? Um, and as for me, Shanna, the human, um, I put my head down and stuck my bum up and I worked and worked and worked. Uh, I think I spent three years in my um, early sobriety doing not much other than just being a better person. I didn't speak. I didn't advocate. I didn't do anything because I knew I had no credibility, And I knew that I had to earn that and I knew that people would eventually go, wow, what's going on with this chick? Things are different. And eventually in time, I was then coming at conversations from a point of authenticity and credibility. And yeah, so that's how you do it. You be be true, you be honest, you be fair income, you don't judge and you just offer solutions instead of criticisms. Tricky. It is tricky and it must be really tough for you day to day because it's obviously not the only thing that is facing our rural communities. You know, you guys, you're forever battling, aren't you, whether it be fire, floods, drought, uh, mental health. And now obviously if we are allowing ourselves to acknowledge um, alcohol abuse in that environment as well, there's just all these layers. So have you found that... um, Sober in the country has become more than just about alcohol and those chats. Are you are you now you're finding you're, you're more like a helpline as well? Well, look, we're not really a helpline, but we, and I, I say that because we're a very small grassroots not-for-profit. So we're not a service or a helpline or a medical or clinical support. We have a, we have a very close-knit, beautiful, teeny tiny peer support group, or I shouldn't say teeny tiny because it's got yeah, a lot, it's nearly a thousand people. To some that would seem minimal, but for us, it's massive in the bush. Um, 
So primarily we work through advocacy and awareness. And um, I think what we are able to do and are able to achieve is um, where we are somehow cutting through a lot of fluff in the mental health space by talking very overdue and very blatantly obvious truth that hasn't been spoken of. And so you mentioned there before in the rural sector, right, um, we do have, we are up against it in a lot of different areas. I mean, rural people are flipping amazing and resilient and tough, but those words can get exhausting. Those words can just get tiresome because it's like, ah, how resilient must we be? I'm tired now. It gets tiring, you know. Do you feel that pressure from from everybody, all Australians, that we really are, you know, still riding on the sheep's back? We are still riding on rural Australia to hold us all up and, and to give us a lot of our Aussie values and our, you know, um, parochialism and, you know, and again, our culture comes from the Aussie bush in so many regards? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, what I'll say is that I've noticed in the last decade or so, particularly with social media, particularly with climate change and all sorts of things going on in the political arena, um, people in the agricultural, rural or farming sector can very easily come under attack from people who are very uninformed and that can take a dreadful dreadful toll on mental collective health. And I see this happen increasingly where, like AG, just the other day, some little 20-year-old hipster from wherever the heck he was, was making content, quote unquote, about a certain industry. And I very politely and very constructively said, mate, out of curiosity, have you actually set foot out west and spoken to people who farm in this space? To which he said, oh, no, I'm just having a bit of lighthearted fun. And I said, well, what's fun to you, mate, and what's funny to you to create content for your reels has a very devastating and very real mental health impact on the farmers from that industry you've just gone and chucked under the bus with no regard. So now you're creating a tidal wave and a tsunami from your TikTok followers who are coming in to abuse this demographic based on things that aren't factual. And it's bloody not on, mate. It's not okay. It's not cool. And it's not on. And so it's awful. I see that happening. Now, having said that, we have industries that need to do better, but that's not specific to farming. It's specific to industry full stop. We all, I think, just need to be better humans, you know? And so coming back to your um, what you just said there about Sober in the Country and our advocacy and um, conversations, I think what we are doing is we're unearthing that underneath all of the big ticket items that impact rural people from floods to fires to droughts to pandemics to suicide, isolation, loneliness, despair. I mean, there's a lot <laughs> to manage and deal with. Um, when you scratch the surface, a common denominator underneath all of those issues and all of those really, really horrifying things is alcohol. And coming back to the top there, I mean, the average farmer in the middle of nowhere, right? Let's say he's coming home and he's several months into another drought. Um, is he going to pick up a helpline or is he going to go pick up a six-pack? And so it's very easy for remote and isolated people to self-medicate using alcohol. 
Um, and again, that's not specific to the bush. I know people in this city are drinking behind closed doors. That's, that's not specific. But when it comes to that seeking change or looking at that and going somewhere for help, then the options and the hurdles start to pop up. So tricky stuff, tricky stuff. Look, it is, and I think it's it's something that everybody, I'm sure, has felt seen, touched at some stage, whether it was that, you know, that 90s culture of 20-cent drinks, whether it was, as you say, big night out and having a spew in the gutter, you know, I'm going to say we've pretty much all been there. Um, and that decision for you, that that the party girl image that you had, which then changed to drinking behind closed doors and what went from being a social activity to a very, very private um, activity for yourself. But as you said, and throwing yourself under the bus, everyone still knew, Shan. They expect you when you're out to be the one that is going to bring the fun. And I think that's where a lot, of, a lot of the pressure comes from in the city too, doesn't it, that it's all about having fun. And yet there is nothing fun about the end of the night or the next morning or the morning after that or as you get older, four days later when you finally get over it and you decide you're going to go for a run and have your green smoothie, but then... You know, mummy's little helper comes out at five o'clock at night. It's, it is a really big problem. And even if it's not a problem, it's still a problem, isn't it? Yeah, I love that you use the green smoothie analogy. And do you know something? One of the reasons I struggled to identify that I was actually in a chronically addicted situation, right, way back when is because I would get up and I would have a kale smoothie and I'd Instagram that sucker. And then I'd Instagram me and my beautiful blue heel, like getting ready to go for our run around the bloody 5K town loop, right? I was that person who was quite trim and fit and strong and righty, righty, rah. I kind of looked to the goods on paper. But let me tell you, as soon as five o'clock rolled around, I was like, stacks on, it's time. And were you pacing like from three, from two o'clock, from three o'clock? Yeah, you're counting down. Increasingly so, yeah, absolutely I was. And God forbid if something or someone popped up between me and my five o'clock wine, I was not happy about that. And, you know, I can objectively a decade on now sit and look at social media and look at the glorification of mummy needs wine or, you know, the wine time culture. I mean, I couldn't even begin to quantify how many Instagram accounts or TikTok accounts are dedicated wholly and solely to validating using wine as a way to parent or as a way to unwind or as a way to cope. Now, that's not to say anyone who gets on social media with a glass of wine has a problem. I'm not saying that. But the constant glorification and normalization of using alcohol to do anything makes it seem okay. Now, you and I both grew up in the era of the Bridget Jones movie, yeah? Did we not? Okay. And as someone who experienced dreadful bloody broken hearts and disastrous relationships, you know, it was firmly implanted in my brain because we didn't have social media, but we had Bridget Jones concerned that she was going to die fat and alone and eaten by Alsatians, you know, <laughs> because she was fat, allegedly. I mean, for God's sake, she wasn't even a size 12. Jeez. Anyway, that's another topic. But there's Renee Zellweger's character on the couch drinking a bottle 
of wine, smoking ciggies, listening to tragic music. You know what? That that pop culture normalization literally made me think back then when I was 25, oh, cool, so it's okay to sit and polish off a couple of bottles of wine. Oh, my God. And so that's where it seeps into our conscious and our collective culture that, oh, it's cool, you know, just get have a few vinos to get over your broken heart. <laughs> and look, some people might do that and roll on and get back to a normal, healthy life. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, Shelley, there are family members and people we love who are predisposed to addiction or they have the perfect storm like I did of unresolved and untreated trauma plus hereditary predisposition plus, plus, plus. And it was literally like a bomb waiting to go off. And so it was inevitable that I was going to hit the skids with my alcohol and subsequent addiction. And that's horrifyingly common. So I'm buggered if I know where this question began, but I feel like that was a good chat. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, look, we're, we are, we're having a lovely chat and you're being so wonderfully honest with us. We've really only spoken about um, alcohol and drinking, social drinking a couple of times on the Aging Project and, and we do sort of relate it back to how do you age well when we are drinking alcohol or, or socially drinking. Um, Darren Aileen was one of our first guests and it was one of our most downloaded episodes because I think, again, there's this hunger for knowledge and I think in all of us there's this questioning of how much is too much, when am I dependent? I don't think I have a dependency but every afternoon or every Friday, you know, 10 drinks, five drinks, what, you know, I guess it's just that conversation for the the people um, who have gone through what, what you've gone through. I think it's a, it's a different story, but for all of us, there has to be some acknowledgement and some ownership and some really big questions asked about, particularly heading into Christmas and, and the silly season. How do I want to get through this? Um, do I have a healthy relationship with alcohol? Is there any such thing? And like you were saying, that those, I guess those phrases that we can use when we're out, if we choose not to have a drink, to not then be scolded, picked on, stared at, you know, <laughs> um, avoided. Oh, they're going to be boring. They're at the party today. Oh no, she's going to be no fun. You know, really, um, again, if, if you do have a very unhealthy relationship with alcohol, of course, we always say seek help ask for help. There is help out there, whether you're in rural communities or, or whether you're in the cities. Um, but for others who are just questioning whether perhaps this season they're not going to have that many drinks, they are going to still somehow find a way to enjoy uh, Christmas parties and family gatherings without it. How do you suggest we go about that? Oh, can we tackle this in two parts? So part two is how to have fun sober, and I'll advocate for that all day long. So can we come back to that? Can yes, you remember that? Yes, Excellent. I will remember that. <laughs> Sticky note. The, the first part of that chat, and it's really important because it would have to be one of our FAQs, and I'm sure it is for any alcohol awareness, um, support, place, charity, whatever. How do I know if it's a problem? How do I know if my drinking is a problem? Ah, well, it's funny. Um, there's a bit of a phrase that gets tossed around in sobriety circles, which is people who don't 
have a problem with alcohol don't ask themselves if they do have a problem with alcohol. (laughs) So in other words, if you're asking yourself if there's a problem, there's probably a problem. That makes sense. And it might just be your, it might just be a problem for you, doesn't it? You know, you can't say 10 standard drinks a week. Oh yes, well I do that. But if you do them all in one night, well, (laughs) that's probably a problem. But if I'm spreading that out, two drinks a night, what's the big deal? But even if you're questioning it, you're obviously having an epiphany of sorts. If it's a problem for you, it's a problem for you. Exactly right. And so there's kind of a bit of a rule of thumb that if your alcohol use is impacting your health, your family, your work, your friendships, your finances, your physical fitness, those are all indicators. It's a problem. And I only just shared this morning on our Sober in the Country social media that we have a dreadful habit in in Australia, and I'm certain globally, of assuming that someone has to have a rock bottom reason to quit alcohol. That's not true. Shelley Croft might have decided that, you know what, I've realized I can't finish my workday without having a dirty big glass of Chardonnay and I don't actually want to have to rely on that to unwind. That's so common, right? Sorry if that is. (laughs) No, that's quite all right. No, no, you're all good. I will say that I used to. And after a few of these conversations, I'm like, well, maybe we just start with not during the week. Maybe we set boundaries as to how many. Maybe we always put ourselves as the designated driver. Anything that can, I guess, give you, oh, it's stupid, isn't it, to say the word excuse because it's not an excuse not to drink and that's where the issue comes in. You have to have a reason to not want one. Yep, yep. Isn't that just nuts? And P.S., bloody good on you if that's what you decided to do. And I hear that again and again. People are quitting or cutting back because thanks to advocacy like ours, or, or could be Chrissy Swan, it could be flipping, um, you know, the fellow you had in. Oh, good old Darren, Darren O'Lean, we had on, but lovely Sarah Jane Clark too. She came on board and told her story, um, and I think it's just that that honesty that we're getting from beautiful people like you that help everybody else work out where they sit with this. And that's exactly right. So, you know, just because Shanna Wan had a rock bottom story and had to quit doesn't mean that's the same reason everyone else has to quit. So there's multiple shades of grey, multiple levels in this game. And, um, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, if you're questioning it, you probably need to go and have a look at that. And something we quite often say to people is, do you know what? Set yourself a challenge. Don't do, I'm not saying anything against um, dry July or sober October or whatever, but a month is actually pretty easy to do if you think you have a problem, right? Even I could do that when I was at the rock bottom stages and I used to then turn around and say to everyone, ha ha, see, I just did a month, I don't have a problem. Then I'd get completely rotten as chops all of August, happy days, right? Because I'd proven to everybody. So I say to people, don't set yourself a one-month challenge. Set yourself a three-month challenge, right? Because similarly to the reason you employ someone with a three-month trial, anyone can fake it and white-knuckle it for a few weeks, but after three months, your real colours are going to come out and start to show and real pressures and real life are starting to happen and it's likely that you will know your answer. And the other good side of that is within a three-month period, you are starting to now really seriously detox your poor body (laughs) if you've been drinking too much for too often and you will start to genuinely feel the goodness 
And what happens is so often people who get off the booze for three months go, oh my God, I have never felt better in my entire adult life. I'm going to keep going. Okay, so that's kind of a fun, that might just be useful info for somebody. And it's for that, it's for that exact same reason we actually say to people coming out of addiction, be hyper, hyper, hyper vigilant at the three month mark because you're going to start to feel amazing and you're going to start to think maybe you can have just one. If you're listening to this podcast, then I'm sure you'll want to check out You Must Try It. It's our sister platform and it's an online store that we've created to support us and you with the tried, tested and loved products. There's skincare, makeup, supplements and so much more. You'll find everything in the one place. Our range of products has been researched and I should know because I have spent weeks testing them out alongside our health and longevity team of experts. Just go to youmusttryit.com for a 10% discount off your first order and join our community. And the good news is we now ship internationally. Woohoo! <laughs> now back to today's episode. How do you go out and say, no, thanks, I'm not drinking tonight and, and not... Um, feel guilty for that um, are there phrases that you can use as you were you were telling us a little bit earlier that you just say not today no thanks have one later it's so funny in my early days and again let's I'll use myself for an example so we always encourage people through our peer support group how sucky is this but you're gonna have to pre-plan some responses for when you go to your barbecue and have no beers it's ridiculous but please plan ahead plan in advance for the inevitable um, scenario in which someone comes up to you and says, what, you're not drinking? Why? Um, So your responses might range from, uh, excuse me, I don't even know you and it's none of your business, so back away, hairy legs. You could do that if you wanted. (laughs) Or you might just say, no, thank you. I'm currently on a health kick or I'm driving or just no thanks. Sometimes I like to be a little bit cheeky, Shelley. And if I can I'm imagine, a... see, I'm hoping for some good ones here. <laughs> I, I can only imagine what you may have said to some people along the way. <laughs> oh, look, if I if I'm in a combative, somewhat cheeky mood, or maybe I'm suffering from PMT, I might turn around and say, "No, thanks. If I drink, I tend to break out in handcuffs and uh, such other things like that." Or <laughs> No, thanks. I'm an alcoholic and I'd really rather not. And it's, I don't know, look, I'm, I tend to have a cheeky twinkle in my eye when I say those things. But like at the end of the day, isn't it absurd? Do you think we've really addressed the ill health because of alcohol enough in our community? I mean, there's still such grey areas between what's a standard drink and how many. And again, every single drink is affecting your health. And I don't think we are obvious enough about that oh gosh and and that's exactly right and it's so interesting isn't it to think that not that long ago we had the Marlboro man on our screens going have a smoke how good is this we had doctors having a ciggy and saying how good are these here have one of them it's it's actually phenomenal isn't it to think that that was in our parents generation um 
And so it gives me hope because I have no doubt whatsoever that there would have been a day and a time where people said, ban our smoking. What you're saying, we have to take our B&H fag logos off the footy pitch. Get serious. But do you think now, as you say, as you say, alcohol advertising is everywhere Um, and not just in the bush of the way of relaxing in the afternoon, but a lot of our commercial, you know, beer commercials are out there camping, like doing really other really great things for yourself, you know, being in nature and having a coldie or riding your horse and having a coldie or sitting by, you know, fishing and having a coldie. <laughs> it is what it is. And have you have you ever noticed, Shelley, that ads promoting alcohol only, only ever have young, beautiful, healthy people? Except some of those beer ads. They've got some dad bods going on in those. But oh, yes, that's otherwise, true. yes. <laughs> but there's there's very rarely they very rarely include a snapshot of a suicidal forty year old passed out at the dinner party with ch- crying children or, you know, husbands scooping up their wives and taking them to emergency. We're only seeing one side of that horrendous picture. And again, I'm not coming at this from a prohibitionist stance, but at the end of the day, I think one of the greatest ongoing issues we have with the drug that is alcohol, and I'm sorry, but it is a drug and it is a type 1 carcinogen, is because it is legal and because we're allowed to advertise it and because it is so um, heavily seen as a donator to politics like Basically, big alcohol is a is a vector for harm because it's connected to political donations. And so, while ever we have this acceptance from a from a national leadership political level, how can we honestly ever expect change to happen at a grassroots level? Because our leaders are not leading by example for a start, and that in itself is a podcast, and it's something those of us who do advocate struggle desperately with. So we've got it being promoted by our, could be our PM, could be any number of our PMs, our sporting legends, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what? Wouldn't it just be an extraordinary first step to just see something like, um, like here's a challenge that I set for a listener today, right? If you happen to be a celebrity listening to this podcast Go and get something that's not alcohol, stick that in your hand for your next social media post and say, do you know what? I've just been listening to some good conversations on the Agewell Project with Shannon Wan and Sober in the Country and I just want to share my two bobs worth that it is okay to say no. You know, so when we have when we have VIPs and celebrities stepping up and endorsing choice and endorsing and normalising that it isn't obligatory to have that alcohol. The impact there is massive and we need more of that from our leaders because it's not prohibitionist and it's not going to offend the masses, but it will be leading by example. And you saw that with Darren. Like I said, I use people like Chrissy Swan as an example because she's such a beautiful human and she'll often reference her sober choices. Um, And the response is massive every time. Okay, well, let's let's not wait then for our leaders to lead the way. I think this is this is a ground roots movement, isn't it? This is you and this is me and, and our listeners making those conscious choices and making it okay um, and also celebrating that. So how do we get into Chrissy 
We're going to carry our own little eskies with us with our non-alcoholic cocktails and our beautiful um, options that we have that we can sit there on our own esky and pull out our own tinny that doesn't have any grog in it and still have a great time with our family and set that example that we want. And, again, it's not about – I think this is tough it's, – it's not about preaching, as you say, to anyone else. It's just about doing what's good for you. And that shouldn't affect anybody else. That shouldn't be anybody else's problem. If you want to do something good for yourself, that should just be a quiet little reminder for someone else to perhaps take a look at what they're up to and perhaps change their idea of, of what a silly season should look like. You can still be silly without getting stupid. <laughs> stupid. And can I say, it's funny, Shelley, every time we do a call to arms, like I travel Australia as a keynote speaker, as you know, and it's any good keynote is supposed to do a call to arms at the end of a talk. So I just shamelessly go, right, suckers, here's my call to arms. Give you it ready? to us, Shan. Give it to us yeah. now. We're ready. Right. And, and, and I proceed it with this. I say, you guys, how often have you been to a conference, a big conference, and then you go to the after five bit where it's the reception. And I'm going to ask you, Shelley, what is the first thing you see when you walk into that reception? Oh, trays and trays of bubbles, don't you? Bubbles, beer, wine, spirit, bubbles, beer, wine, spirits. And it's like looking down a tunnel. I have done this. I, I can't even tell you how many conferences I've been to where I've, I've, I've put my binoculars out and I'm like, ah, yep, no, I'm not saying anything other than beer, wine and spirits. And again, if you can drink beer, wine or spirits and do that safely or in moderation, good for you. You've got choice. What happens to Shanna? I walk into that conference and I feel so unbelievably excluded and left out and invisible. And do you know how often I was the keynote during Australian of the Year at events where that was still not even on the table? I had to hunt people down and send them to Woolies to get a soda water for that for that chick who doesn't drink. It is mind-boggling. And that is a pervasive problem, whether you are in the city or in the outback. It's not okay and it's not on. And my call to arms and my challenge to listeners is, if you can have a drink, well, bloody good for you. But what have you got in your fridge for your mate who's a shanna? Do you have any soda water in your pantry? If not, get some and chuck it in there. The other thing is, um, you, you're probably aware of this, lovely, but there is an exploding, exploding trend towards zero or low alk beer, wine and spirits. The options are endless. So you can look into those. However, here's a caveat. Here's a caveat. If a listener is listening and thinks, oh, that sounds excellent. If you've struggled really hard to come through addiction, Please be very, very careful having drinks that replicate the taste and smell of alcohol because they can be a trigger for relapse and all sorts of things. And some of them do have a small percentage of alcohol. So that's another little rabbit warren that people just need to be aware of. But at the end of the day, my request is be thoughtful, be inclusive, be kind, don't make assumptions and Stop asking or demanding to know why someone says no. Stop being a jerk and just say, no, bloody worries. What can I get you? Like, it's pretty simple, isn't it? It is. And I'm only giggling because I've just thought of a great T-shirt for us. It says, don't be a Karen, be a Shanna. 
<laughs> there you go. Don't be like Kazza, be like Shazza. No, just kidding. Don't. No, no, don't. I hate Shazza. I don't hate Shazza. Shazza's are awesome, but for me, no. <laughs> not for you. No, I think you are, you are not just a local hero at all, Shan. You are an Aussie hero and you're doing such incredible things for our rural communities and you're doing amazing things just by speaking about your journey Um and it doesn't really matter, does it, how you got there? The fact is you did and you got yourself back out and now you're using your power to help others. So thank you very, very much for sharing with us today. I, I want to wish you a Merry Grinchy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my three dogs, we're just going to hang out here in our green fluffy suits and we're just going to be really, really anti-social. No, but I know we're all going to think of you and I know we're all going to think of this conversation every time we're out over this period. Do I need to have a drink? Do I need to have another drink? Do I even want to have a drink? Who? What have I got for my friends who don't drink? Am I feeling like it tonight at all? And don't think that you have to stay home and avoid people. Just have a response ready. And that shouldn't be a big ask. And do you know, I forgot my favourite bit, Shelley, which is this. And I'd love, I'd love listeners to have this as a takeaway. Um, people tend to view having to have less alcohol or no alcohol as some kind of dreadful less than or some awful punishment or and I just want to share with the listeners that, um, and I often say this as well when I do a talk, is that if a little magical unicorn landed on my shoulder tomorrow and said, Shanna Banana, I grant thee the wish to be able to go forth and drink like a normal human, whatever that means in Australia, um, right? If a magical unicorn landed and said that to me, I'd say, oh, no, thank you, Mr. Magical Unicorn. You can take your wish and stick it in your jumper. I don't want alcohol. And and I think it's so important that people understand. Have you heard the acronym JOMO? Instead of FOMO, which is what I thought I would have when I gave up drinking, I've got JOMO. And you know what? There is so much joy in going alcohol-free or even having less than. And we're constantly sharing the most beautiful stories on the Sober in the Country socials about people. Um from cutting back to quitting, whether it's copious, insane amounts of money that they save or they suddenly turn into these, you know, machines with six packs who are healthy and active and living their best physical lives or improved relationships, productivity, whatever, whatever. whatever. There are just, there are so many positives to be seen and to be had. So I guess that would be my heartfelt encouragement is please know that there's some bloody good stuff outside of the bottle and don't be scared about exploring it. You may just be very, very surprised. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think you are going to make this a much better Christmas for so many. And, look, if you don't mind, a few little city slickers sliding into your community there at Sober in the Country, um, I think some of our listeners might just just pop in for a chat. Oh, please come and play along and follow our main socials. You know, like, as I say, we're there for everybody on the broad scale. And if it's resonant and useful, we'll grab it and share it and go do good stuff. And um, Merry, Merry Christmas to everybody <laughs> from this little Grinch. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you are a bloody legend, a bloody legend. Thank you, Grinch. I'll speak to you soon. <laughs> 
A huge thank you to Shan for her brutal honesty about not only her own journey, but what the damages that alcohol are doing in our rural communities. As she mentioned, Sober in the Country is a not-for-profit, so if you would like to donate, you'll find the opportunity to do so in our show notes, so check that out. That is Sober in the Country. And she also mentioned that even if you live in the city, you are more than welcome to join in on their socials. There's some wonderful conversations that may just be able to help you you or someone you know along the way. And again, if you think this conversation was worth sharing with someone that you love, please pass it on. We love to grow our Aging Well community and bring you all sorts of information about all sorts of topics that you may not have considered part of your aging journey before. Guess what? We're taking a little break over Christmas, but we're also lining up some fabulous new guests for 2024. So to all of you, thank you for another wonderful year. Please stay safe, be kind to each other, have a wonderful restful break, and we'll catch up with you in the new year. See you then. As always, the Aging Project podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. Always seek medical advice from a qualified practitioner.